When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. The Westwood One Podcast Network. All right, everybody, welcome back to the TNQ Podcast. I'm your host, Marcus Luttrell. Every week, it's my job to fire you up, to ignite the legend inside of you, and to push you to your greatness. Join me every week as I take you into my briefing room with some of the most hard-charging people on the planet. They're going to show you how to embrace the suck of life, teach you the values of working your ass off, and charge through whatever life throws at you. This is the Team Never Quit Podcast. Don't buckle up, buttercup. Team Never Quit podcast is sponsored by Navy Federal Credit Union. Whether you have short or long-term savings goals, you can keep your money organized with a certificate from Navy Federal Credit Union and focus on the big picture, saving money. Learn more at NavyFederal.org save. Federally insured by NCUA. Hello there, Team Never Quit Nation. Welcome back to another episode of the Team Never Quit podcast. My name is Andrew, joined today by Melanie Luttrell for an amazing She Never Quit episode. Hey, Melanie, how are you? Hey, good. How are you? I am good. Why don't you tell everybody who we've got on the show today. Today we have Shar Westfall. Shar, um, her husband was one of 16 on the rescue helicopter during Operation Red Wing, Jacques Fontaine. And Shar has an incredible story of just resilience after losing her husband. I mean, obviously that's an extremely painful uh experience that she went through and her story that she's going to share is um, how life took her after that, like what path that went down. Before she lost Jock, she was extremely faithful to the Lord and she just had this, you know, great foundation. And then she felt like everything fell apart. And well, she'll tell that story herself. But um, the exciting thing out of all this is that Shar has a book coming out. Uh, where she ex- shares her experience in great detail. So we'll let her share that. And we're excited to have her on. And we, especially because this is uh, coming up on the 15th anniversary of Operation Red Wing. That's going to be awesome. Well, let's do it like we do every week. We've got a Patreon question from one of our Patreons. And I think this one actually works out perfectly for today's episode. It's from Heather. Heather asks, she says, I'm a mother of three boys and her youngest boy who is nine wants nothing more than to be a Navy SEAL. He's actually already training. Do you want or encourage your children to be in the military? Do I? Yeah. Do you want or encourage your children to be in the military? <laughs> I, um, that's a good question because I actually have a son that is the appropriate age for that. Um, and it's something we talk about quite a bit because obviously he feels a little bit of pressure from uh, it's a self-given pressure. It's not, we're not putting that pressure on him, but he feels like he should because he's Marcus's stepson. But um, then there's times where, it, I mean, Marcus tells him all the time, 
you do not need to fill my shoes. <laughs> I walk my shoes, you walk yours. Um, you, you do you. And, uh, so with that, you know, he's really focused on school and I guess my thing is in order to serve, you need to do it because it's your own passion. It's a fire burning inside you that you need to live this life of service in that way. And, um, and I'm not going to pressure my kids to do that. They need, that needs to come from them. If he wanted to do that. And if I saw it, you know, strong, I would support him, but I don't see that. So I'm, I'm not, we'll see how acts reacts in, uh, yeah, in a couple more years. <laughs> nine years. <laughs> oh goodness. All right, Heather, thank you for asking your question. If you guys want exclusive access to the show, be able to get your questions answered, join us on Patreon. You get exclusive content, some amazing swag, and you can join us at patreon.com slash team never quit. All right, guys, let's get to Shar's episode. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts for up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Char, welcome to the She Never Quit version of the Team Never Quit podcast. We're so excited to have you on. First of all, I wanted to tell our listeners about us and how long we've known each other. Correct me if I'm wrong, but the first time we met was right before that gala in Baton Rouge, right? Yes. I mean, I think I met, I met you at the first, was it the big boot campaign gala? Oh yeah. The, the um, big, the first gala. Yes. So that would have been, um, June of 2010. That was actually uh, Marcus and I's first public date. <laughs> and it was a little <laughs> overwhelming. <laughs> to say the least, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, hey, yeah, that was an overwhelming my night. Here it is. <laughs> right? <laughs> um, so we, Char and I, bonded and we've been friends ever since then and I just adore her to death and she's always just cheerful and happy and she's just a great person so I I'm excited for you to share your story and for the listeners to get to know you um and tell us about your your book and everything you've got going on okay well, the feeling is definitely mutual. I am so excited that I got to know you and that we've been able to maintain our friendship ever since because you are such a special and unique soul. And um, it's just a blessing to have you in my life. And I know a lot of people say that, but I genuinely mean that. So thank you for having me on today and for putting up with me for all these years. <laughs> the craziness up and down. So, but I'm super excited about this new adventure I embarked on. Um, it started a couple years ago. I was encouraged to kind of put up my 
quote unquote story down on paper. Um, I'm remarried now. Let me just start with that. And um, my husband has always told me, you know, you are a a success story. Not everybody um, comes out of a tragedy the way you have. And I think that you could help other people because one thing I learned is after going through such a loss and at such a young age, I mean, I was only 29, that there's no blueprint, there's no book, there's no guidelines of how to do it. And I think, I mean, especially for me, there's times where I felt lost and am I doing this right? And you feel judged. And so he encouraged me to put it down on paper and that's where it all began. And so it's uh, that the exciting news is that it's um, finally going to print and going to be, you know, available within the next couple months. So I'm super excited about that. But, it really um, is so exciting. I mean, writing is a type of therapy and, you know, you, you do it for your own reasons or whatever, but when it can come to a point where you can share that with everybody, that's, that's really cool. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's what people have told me. And like I said, it was just something that, I was encouraged to do. And I said, okay, you know, I'll do it. We'll see where it goes. And, um, I didn't know if it would ever become a reality. And it has, because like I said, I was 21 or 29 when, um, Jacques was, when Jacques was killed. And so at that age, when you get married at, oh gosh, how got married in 2000, um, we had already been together since 96. And so you just think that you have your whole life ahead of you. Like that's, it's all planned out. You've, you've, you're done with the dating. You've met the man of your dreams and you're going forward. And so when that all came crashing down in 2005 at 29 and didn't have our own kids yet, um, Jacques had been married before me when he was younger and had a daughter. And so I had a connection with her, but obviously, you know, that's different than your own. And, um, I just kind of felt lost and, felt like I was never going to have a family and have my own kids ever again. And so when I started dating my now husband, Drew, you know, there's just a lot of ups and downs with that. I mean, just, is it too soon? When is it too soon to date? How do I date? Is he going to like me for me? Is he going to be able to handle my past and the emotion that comes with it? And there's a lot that I think many people don't think about when any buddy is widowed, you know, especially though at a younger age, I think it's, there's a lot more to it than, you know, just picking up and starting to date again or not. So putting it down on paper for other people to read, I think might, um, or what I'm hoping for is that'll open, open their eyes and their mind. Um, if any of their family members or friends are to go through it. That's a good point. I mean, most people, they don't, you don't expect to lose your husband in your twenties. I mean, that's it, even if they are in the military and we know their risks, it's just not something that, that you ever think about. And it is such a huge pressure on you, especially with operation red wing and the publicity that it had like to honor your husband. Can you do that and still move on and live your life? You know, like that's such a, it's such right. a weird line to walk can you tell us about like when you first met Drew and the struggles that you, you faced with that self battle of like, is it too soon? Am I, can I do this still by honoring Jacques? Yeah. Do you mind going into that? 
Oh, no, not at all. I mean, no, that is something that even a lot of um, girls ask me today. I mean, obviously, um, we're coming up on 15 years. So this has been a 15 year long journey for me that I've learned a lot in the process. But when I started dating Drew, we were actually friends um, beforehand. And it, it literally just started as friends. And he's slightly younger than me, six years. And so I was like, not even thinking of the dating or anything like that. And I think one of the things that helped us is that um, as we realized that we were, there were starting to be feelings, we just continuously had com- um, conversations and communicated about it. Because unfortunately, I mean, it's silly to even think and, and say, but there's so much judgment on you. And you, I think, feel put a lot of pressure on yourself because you don't want like you said, it's it, such a national um, tragedy and, and so well known and and things like that. And being within the field community for as long as I had been, you just kind of wonder, are, are his friends going to think it's too soon? Is he going to be good enough for everybody else? And um, was he going to be able to take what comes with me in my past? And that because I mean, I said from the very beginning, like, yes, I've accepted that Jacques is gone. Um and, and he's not coming back, but he's not going away. Like, I'm not going to expect you to talk about him with me every day. And I'm not, you know, I, there'll come days where I'm not crying about him all every day, but he's still there. And, and that's just, that's just going to, how it's going to be. And thankfully for me with Drew, he was just very strong with it from the very beginning. And whenever he did have a question or a little hiccup, you know, about how he was feeling about something, we, we talked about it. And still now, I mean, obviously they're not anywhere near as, I don't even want to say like in our face as it was when we first started dating, but still things come up. I mean, it's just, that's just normal. And especially with the book, which is called A Beautiful Tragedy, because, you know, it's kind of what it is. It's not losing Jacques wasn't beautiful, but what I've been able to make of the situation and make my life from it is what I feel is the beauty in it. But yeah, there's... I mean, there's a lot to think about when you do start to date you. For me, like I said, it was some, I wanted to find somebody that would allow me to still respect and honor Jacques and not just put him away on a shelf and act like that never happened. I love Drew. Yes. He's not a seal. (laughs) He's nothing like that, but he, he is so funny and he's so, giving of his heart to you and it just it shines when he's around you and and I love that and I love that you've been able to move into a direction in your life where you've continued to to honor Jacques I mean it's been 15 years and you still honor him every day and um it's just, it's a really beautiful thing to see and um I really admire you for doing that and for at the same time, holding a healthy marriage uh, with kids, beautiful kids, and being able to to continue your life that changed so quickly at such a young age. Thank you. Yeah, he's, he is great. He makes me laugh. He makes, I love how he's able to make other girls and widows like, you know, that we meet up with or, you know, see and meet that he's able to make them feel comfortable. And I think that just speaks volumes about his heart and how he genuinely has, you know, accepted my past and is comfortable in his, in who he is and in who we are as a married couple. 
And I love that he's not so threatened. I mean, fortunately, there's a lot of guys out there that are. And so I just admire that in him so much. Every time I've been around him, he just lightens up the room and uh, he's very, very sweet and funny. And I, I love that you have found love again because that's so hard. And it's so hard to find, like I said, someone that will not only love you. I mean, it's not like it's hard to love you. You're very lovable. but someone that will embrace who, you know, your past and embrace that Jacques will never be out of your heart. Basically he is sharing your heart and he's okay with that. And I I love that. And I hope that for so many of our other friends that have lost their husbands that haven't found love again, I pray that that's, that they find, they find a Drew, that they find someone that loves them and, and will be willing to share their heart. Oh yeah, absolutely. I know. I pray the same thing for them. You know, I'm always, I always say I was like lucky enough to find amazing love twice. And I just yeah pray that for yeah. everyone who's gone through this for sure. That's awesome. So let's talk about the book when you, um, or I guess like the guts of the book, can you share your experience of, what happened on your side? Can you walk through June 28th, 2005? Yes. I mean, as much as I can, I say, so I I explained a little bit in the book as well, um, that those days are all kind of mixed together. And of course the time change and the difference of when things happened are a little fuzzy for me, but, um, I do recall, being out, I was a private tutor for an autistic boy that I just loved his family. And so part of what I would do with him uh, once a week or so would be to take him out in the community. And so I was out to dinner with him and his older brother and happened to uh, see a TV uh, announcement from over the TV from the news um, that a helicopter, a military helicopter was just shot down and that um, there was possible casualties. And I literally remember seeing that and being like, Oh, that's so sad and heartbreaking for those families. Like I can't imagine what they're going to be going through. And then maybe 30 minutes to an hour later, I get a phone call from a friend because there was a SEAL team 10, uh, wives event that night. And they're like, Hey, just to let you know, you weren't there and you missed it. But I don't know if you've heard, but before you do, there was a, there was some sort of incident and they do know that SEAL Team 10 is involved. And um, so just wanted you to hear it from us before, you know, people start calling and you're getting all these, you know, misinformation. And I just immediately was like, I don't know, something in me just kind of, I don't want to say died, but I just felt like something just felt off. And so I dropped the kids off and I remember calling my parents and them just saying, you know, we don't know anything yet. You can't, you can't feel this way. You can't, you know, get one of your girlfriends to come spend the night and, and you'll, you'll get more information tomorrow. Just keep, you know, praying and, and, you know, don't let yourself get too stressed out. And so I did, I had two friends come and spend the night and they got up the next morning and had to leave for work. And the next uh, couple hours, I guess maybe late morning, early afternoon, we got another phone call um, that said it was definitely still team 10. Um, but they still didn't have any information and to just hold tight. And as soon as they had more information, you know, they would be contacting all of us. 
And I would hold a weekly dinner for, it started as all of us girls um, with what, with the deployment previous to this one. All of our husbands were deployed at the same time. And now some of them had moved teams and, and jobs. And so anytime any of them were home, they were welcome to attend as well, because we all know that the time we had with them was few and far between. So as much as we loved each other and wanted to hang out, obviously, you know, bring your husband, let's all have good times and make, you know, more memories. So it was dinner night. And the people were like, we're still coming over. Let's do this. We'll all be together. And I, um, I can't remember at what point it was just becoming more apparent that a lot more information was, was coming and, but really didn't know what yet. And, um, I don't know, there's probably about 15, 20 people at my house. And I remember walking down the steps with one of my friend's husbands, um, who was a good friend of Jacques and I's. There was quite a few couples that had gotten really close over the years. And we went down to get the charcoal to start the grill. And we heard car doors shut. And we turned. And, you know, I always had, I would watch, um, I had seen Black Down. I had seen... Uh, we were, uh, what was one of the movies? We were soldiers. Mel Gibson was in it. Um, mm-hmm. And how they would come to the door in uniform. And I always wonder, I was like, I wonder, you know, what they do now. Well, that's exactly what they still do. They show up in uniforms. And I just remember just almost melting down in the parking lot. And my friend Heath going, Char, get upstairs. We're not doing this in the middle of a parking lot. Get upstairs to your condo. Go. and." Um, yeah, so they came in and they sent everyone else outside except for two of my two of our guy friends that were with me. And um, one of the things Jacques had requested before he left for this deployment was that somebody who knows me, if something were to happen to me, that somebody who knows me and him were to come and tell me. So um, I remember our friend Gonzo standing there. And at this point, they just knew the helicopter had gone down. They hadn't recovered anybody. And so they were considered missing in action. So I I remember this so clearly. And I just looked at him and I'm like, okay, so there's still a chance. And he just couldn't even answer me. I was like, oh. So, um, yeah, he, uh, I guess I, uh, I told him, I told him, said to him, you should never, you should never be here and you shouldn't even be here. And I like ran to the bathroom and I was sick. And, um, I don't know how long it was before one of the guys, my friend Jason was like knocking on the door. He's like, you need to come out. We, we, there's, they need to talk to you. You've got to come out of the bathroom. And I come out and Gonzo's gone. And I was like, where'd he go? They're like, sorry, you kicked him out. And I was like, no, <laughs> no, I didn't. I was just saying like, you're never supposed to be at my house for this. Like, no, that's what I meant. And they're like, well, you took it as like, get out of my house. And then I felt, I was like, oh no. Like the one, the one of the people that Jacques wanted to be with me and I kick him out. So I don't really remember what more was said that night. And then it was the next day that they were able to come back and confirm um, that they had lost all the guys on the helicopter. And so poor Gonzo had to come back for that. And so I'm trying to apologize to him He's trying to like, please don't apologize. Like it was just a hot mess. Oh my gosh. Um, 
Yeah. So thankfully, though, I mean, it took him some years, but Gonzo and I now, if anybody knows him, like talk about a, a man just with like a personality, a heart bigger than anything you know. Um, we've we were able to reconnect and are just super close friends. Um, Drew good. and I see him at events, and it's it's always so good to be around him because you just I don't know. There's something about having somebody in your life like that, that knew Jacques and really, truly knew him and helped you through all that. And just to be able to continue that friendship is awesome. But did um, anybody yeah, so stay the, the night with you that night, the night of the oh, dinner? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think, so I want to say, and I can't remember exactly if that was the 28th. Um, it was at least a week before they could get all the guys home and we're planning a memorial service in Virginia beach for all the guys, like a group thing. Um, but from the that first night on, there was somebody with me at, at least two to three people every night. My brother got there that night. Um, he was just, a, he was a firefighter with the uh, air force up in Dover, Delaware. So he immediately got in the car and drove to me. My parents had to wait till the next morning to get a flight out. Um, my sister had just gotten married in April and had moved with her husband who was in the army to Germany. So it took her another day or two to get there. But from the day I found out, I was never alone. There was um, all the husbands that were still home that weren't deployed would take turns spending the night. Um, like nobody, our group at that point, no one really had kids yet. There's maybe one or two mm -hmm. that did. So um, it was easy for all of them to kind of take turns switching off who was staying with me, who was, you know, I was never, ever alone. I don't, I don't think there was less than, I don't know, 10 people at my house every day, which for me was helpful. Like I know for some people, yeah. they're like, no, it's too chaos. I need them out. For me, I'm like, I need people around me. I need to like, I, and you know, I just need the distraction. I guess it was. Listeners, I want to connect two dots. We had a guest on the show, and I'm not going to name her last name because she asked for us not to, but her name was Jen. And I think on our title, Andrew, did we just say Jen? Yep. Or did we say Gold Star Wife? I think we said You're Gold Star mute. Wife. Just Gold Star Wife, okay. Jen. Yeah. Okay. And it, she was one of those that was at the dinner that night with you, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and she yeah. ended up losing her husband years, what was it, 10 years later? Um, no, years. I was, it was right before I got pregnant with my second child. So it had to have been 2011. 11. So, yeah, six years later. Six years, six years um, later, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, just for people that aren't in the military community, I mean, that is to have two friends that lose their husbands so young that we're both very intertwined with it, it's just so hard me I, I feel like an outsider when I you know look in and I'm just like damn that it hurts me to my core that 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 
even happens. I don't even know how to say it. I just, I really admire y'all for the strength that you have to support each other and um, that you stay so close, you know, through these tragedies and you continue to stay close through beautiful moments too. It's not just during bad times. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think it's, um, I think it's so easy for people to drift apart, but there is something about a military community that is just really, you know, unexplainable. Um, I have made amazing friends since moving back to Florida after Jacques' death. Um, but I still say like, there's, there's just no, uh, I don't even know how to describe it. It's family, community, connection, like going through deployments and that life together. Um, it's just not, it's not realistic on the outside world. I mean, you just, that's just not something you're, you go, you don't go through things like that. So you can make great friends, very close, great relationships, but this community is just something you can't find anywhere else for sure. Yeah, that's awesome. Obviously that week and the following weeks were really hard on you um, as expected. What, what were some things that stood out to you that week that, that have stuck in your mind forever that were really powerful? Oh, wow. Um, I'd say the support of just the community. I mean, I don't know what it is. It's, I think it's always been this way, but people just bring food. Um, the restaurants were sending food. The the way everyone rallied around us in that time and just wanting to help us in any way they could and make it as easy as possible. I mean, I know that the media was trying to reach me at one point and a friend was told about it and her husband was a police officer. And so he was making sure that there was some sort of presence in and around my neighborhood and house so that we wouldn't be bothered with that. I remember, I mean, it, on July 4th, we were still waiting to have the memorial service in Virginia Beach. And um, so we were all together and just still trying to make some memories um, of that. The memorial service that the command did, as hard as it was and somewhat of a blur, I think they did a truly great job. They did everything they could to honor the men and the families. And, um, you know, we heard, heard, you know, things that were new to us and some, you know, some of the pictures that we saw were, were a little shocking. And, um, but I know that they were doing it all to, to honor the guys and they really did everything they could. I mean, we had, people calling us from overseas. I mean, I remember the um, CO, the commanding officer of SEAL Team 10 calling me and I just recently saw them right before quarantine started. And I don't know how we got on the subject. I think we were talking about um, a beautiful tragedy and how it was kind of coming to fruition. And they said, hey, you do remember when um, Kent called you from Afghanistan, right? And I was like, "Um, I mean, vaguely. And he goes, yeah, because I called and I, I knew him and his wife fairly well. And he goes, you, so you don't remember what you asked me? I said, no. He goes, 
you made me promise you that I would bring him home. And he was like, and I had to say yes. And so I was like, how can I tell her no? And he goes, and before I, he was like, I got off the phone with you. And before I could call any of the other wives, I called my wife, like almost in tears being like, I just made a promise that I don't know if I can keep, but I have to keep this. And um, so that's what, and he, I mean, thankfully he did. They got all the guys home and I am so grateful for that as well. I think that was another thing that they were so determined to bring their teammates and their friends and our loved ones home. Like that just spoke volumes to me. One of the other things I remember is, uh, so Gonzo and my brother got to meet Jacques and the guys in Dover because that's where my brother was stationed. And so my brother's entire uh, fire department, everybody came in, even if they were off for the day, and they lined the tarmac for the airplane and all the guys. And so I had those pictures somewhere, but I was just like, I just cannot believe all the people that maybe didn't even know us or know Jacques, um, but they were still just the outpouring of love and support was nothing I had ever imagined or even to this day can still like, I'm still like in awe and shock about it. It was just wonderful. That's so awesome that they did that. And really, I mean, nothing like that had ever happened before. You know, since then there's been large uh, casualties, large amounts of people at the same time. But at that time there was, there was no protocol. There was no, nothing to base it off of. Right. So, yeah, they had said that they um, hadn't experienced a loss this large since of uh, within the SEAL community since I want to say they were saying like the Vietnam War. Yeah, it's just it's just crazy. <sighs> it's so heavy too. You know, it's one of those things that we talk about now with you know in a casual conversation, but it is still so heavy. And and I want to be respectful to everybody um, involved in this because. I mean, my heart and so many others still, um, I don't know. It's a lot. It's obvious. (laughs) It's a lot. And it's obviously like, it's something I live with every day um, with Marcus being involved in it. And so our life is committed to making sure nobody forgets these guys. And um, sorry, it, it couldn't be done without the wives. I mean, the wives are, all of y'all are so good about keeping their memory alive, even though life has moved on and it it has taken different paths and everything. Everyone still does such a great job, even though there's bickers and arguments, you know, within the community (laughs) and whatever, but it's like a family, you know, everybody's going to have issues with different people and whatever, but there is still one common goal and that's to honor these guys and coming up on the 15th anniversary. I just, it's, it's so important to never forget and to keep on as long as we're living to, to keep honoring them. Yeah, I agree. And I was going to say this to you, like, I know that you always say, you're like, I'm just just on the outside and I just, you know, I don't know what y'all feel, but in reality, no, you didn't experience the loss, but yes, you, you, like you said, you live with this every day. Like you chose to love Marcus and love him for who he is. And I always tell people, I'm like, I can't imagine, you know, I know what I live with, but I, I don't have 
the memories and the experience that he had over there. So you say we have strength. I think you have just as much (laughs) as us because the support you give to us wives, the support you give to him, to the community, the way you guys are always trying to make sure not just our guys, but anyone that is followed and friends that are constantly, you know, to be remembered and constantly honored. Like that takes a lot of strength and a lot of energy and a lot of love. And you all do that like selfishly, unconditionally, like all the time. And that's why we just all love you guys so much. (laughs) Oh, thank you. We we all have that one common goal and, um, and our listeners feel it. And I, I really believe that, the community of patriots that that log on and listen to the show and and even just our social media platform they all do such a good job at honoring the guys it, it's really it's beautiful and i'm i'm very thankful that of everybody so i just wanted to say that about the anniversary coming up because it really does mean a lot when people share their pictures or whatever it is, however they honor them um, and just make sure that they're never forgotten. Okay. So since after that, you, you struggled with, you know, just life questions and all of that. Do you want to go into that a little bit? Sure. I mean, I was raised in the church, raised Christian, loving God, knowing God. And I just remember just wanting to pull so far away from him, not because I didn't think he existed, but I was just angry. Um, I was confused and being, you know, 29 and, you know, in college, not everybody can stay on a super, super good path with, you know, your faith and your devotions. And you kind of, I would go to church and, but I don't think in my college years and in my early twenties, I was really good at digging into the word and, you know, finding out what it really meant to be a true Christian and love God and Jesus. And so I look back now and I kind of like, yeah, I was so young in my faith because I just kept thinking like, what did I do that God like thought that this was a lesson I needed to learn? And I was just angry. I'm like, I was still going to church, but I, I mean, I know that I would slack every once in a while, but I'm like, what did you want to teach me? And, or what, you know, what was I supposed to learn or what did I do wrong? What did, and so I just, it was a good year that I just kind of was just angry, angry with him and confused. And like I said, I never completely turned away from him, but I just, I wasn't seeking, seeking him anymore and seeking to be closer to him. Drew would drag me to church to get me out of the house. And he'd be like, just go, just listen. You don't have to sing. And so I honestly think that that did help my heart to finally start softening, um, just hearing certain things. And it eventually helped me to seek counseling through the church and get some questions answered. And um, I remember one thing, and still people say it a lot, and it always kind of makes me like, we cringe, but people are like, Oh, well, you know, God, God only gives you things. Um, cause he thinks you're strong. Like he gives you what you can handle. And I remember thinking like, wow, so my other friends can't handle this, but Oh, Shar can. So, you know, out of everyone, let's, you know, let's have this happen to her husband because she can handle it. And I was like, that's like 
one of the like worst things. And, and they're like, well, that's in the Bible. And actually it's not <laughs> the God yeah. says he's never going to yeah. leave you. Like you will suffer. You will have hard times. You will experience things that you feel are going to break you. But his promises is that he's never going to leave you during it. And I definitely, as I started healing and in my faith and my love, you know, for him again, um, I saw how he was there carrying me through the darkest and hardest times, um, even though I at that time couldn't see it or feel it. But once I, you know, was able to start healing, I could look back and be like, oh my gosh, there's no way that would have happened if it wasn't God, like helping me and loving me, regardless of me pushing him away. So I, I definitely just always tell people like, you know, your faith in God and, and you can be mad and you can have your moments like God wants to hear that from you. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, I'm mad at you. <laughs> you can take it. Throw it at him. And um, one of the, the biggest pieces of advice I got in counseling was they were like, so, um, you know, have you had your session with, you know, Jacques about how angry you are at him? I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm not angry at him. I'm angry at God. He goes, you're not angry at Jacques? I'm like, why would I be? And yeah. you know, they're like, oh, okay. And, but then he made me start thinking and yes, I know that I was, I was his wife, but what a lot of people not in the military don't, I mean, you don't experience is that they have no choice, but to put their job first most of the time. I mean, in their heart, it's their family, but they can't say no. They can't just take time off when they want. They can't not, do a mission or do a training or do that. Like that's just their job. And so in some ways, you know, he did pick this country and this career over me, but I would never have wanted him to not. I mean, he had the choice not to become a SEAL. We, when we started dating, he was getting out of the Navy. He was a rescue swimmer instructor. And I know that I could have, I couldn't have lived with myself and I don't know what kind of relationship we actually would have had, or if it would have survived, if I would have, told him to give up his dream for me. And I always said, if you love somebody enough, I mean, you make it through, you figure it out. And that's what we did. And so he did make me realize that I, I, I was a little angry. Like, why did you choose that? Why did you choose such a dangerous career? Why did you choose and volunteer to get on that helicopter? You know, those were your guys. Those were, but I was like, you, you could have said, you, you know, you didn't have to in my, in my mind. You could have chosen to come home, but in reality, he couldn't. And so once I kind of put that all down on paper to him one time, it was such a weight off my heart and my shoulders. And then I could just, the anger just kind of started slipping away. So it was, that was a good, good piece of advice. I'm so glad that you actually got counseling. I mean, so many people that are struggling through hard times try and take it all on themselves and, you know, they battle with you know, different things going on in their life and they, they'll turn against friends or they'll turn against God or they'll turn, you know, like they'll turn to bad things to help. And it really says a lot about you that you took that time for yourself, you know, Mm -hmm. to heal and to, to seek out advice and just comfort. And I really wish that more people would do that. I, I feel like it would help so many people just whether it's through their church or 
even like a, a group of friends or something, you know, you have to right. have a support system. Absolutely. I don't know how people make it through or even get to when they don't have it. And, and that's why I try to tell them, I'm like, you might not be ready at first. And first counselor you go to, you might not click, you might not hit it off, but that doesn't, I'm like, I just feel that it just even talks through certain things is so helpful and gives yeah. you clarity sometimes when you just don't even realize it. So do you feel like when you wrote the book, it did help you? Was that, what was that experience like? Did you get mad um, even more writing it or what was, what were you feeling during that? No, I, I honestly felt it was helpful. Um, a good friend of mine, Myra, helped me as well. She conducted some interviews with certain family members that I was like, you know, it, I'd probably, I would like to know what they were thinking in their perspective, but I just couldn't bring myself to have those conversations with them. So she did. And so going back, reading things and adding and editing, and I think even opened my mind and my heart to, yes, it was my husband and it was a tragic loss for me, but to know what other people were feeling like around me was huge as well. Well, I can't wait for everyone to be able to read this book. I mean, I think that especially people that have experienced loss, you know, just hearing other people's perspectives is helpful. What's your goal with the book coming out? Sharing my experience and what I went through and what I felt helped me. I'm just hoping that it will help, you know, other people. And as hard as it is sometimes going back, especially, um, you know, everything recently, just the editor and everybody who's adding and the times of amount of times I've had to go back through and read it and edit it. Every little bit is helpful because I think the more you can just keep addressing it and facing it is, you know, just helps you heal a little more. I don't believe that you ever are over your grief. I think that you still live with it, but I think you have a choice in how you live with it every day. And my whole goal was always to honor, honor Jock. And I don't feel that if I'm not living my life to the fullest and being the best version of that I can be. Um, and if that requires more counseling or, you know, more this or more that, then to be that, to honor him and honor his memory, you know, I owe that to him and myself and Drew and my kids, like they need the best version of me. Right. That's so awesome. So when does it come out? So a beautiful tragedy. We are aiming for pre-orders to start by the end of June and um, then a book in hand, hopefully by like September. That is so, so awesome. I'm yeah, so happy for you. Definitely excited. Thank you. Yeah, there's Aww. a lot. I mean, as you've seen the process with Marcus, there's so much to it. They're like, okay, well, are you going to do signed copies and like, are you, do you want them to you? Are you going to ship them? Do we keep them here? I was like, um, um, I don't know. He goes, and if you're going to sign them, you know, all these, it's going to take you a couple days. <laughs> I'm like, oh, right. okay, how does this work? <laughs> oh my gosh. That's hard. It's, it's hard navigating all of that kind of stuff. You know, it's just, it's overwhelming. Yes. We have a question from, um, we have a platform called Patreon where, where our listeners 
can subscribe and have this kind of intimate access to, to the podcast and they can ask questions directly to the guest. And we have a question from Todd directly to you, Shar. And he says, thank you for all that you are currently doing for vets and for being a great role model. What advice can you give to some of us who are just getting started with vet supportive based nonprofits? I think it's important to know what you want to help with. Like, what is your mission? What is your goal in helping them? Um, because there's so many great organizations and nonprofits out there. I've seen some foundations just be so all over the place and broad. So I think if you can narrow it down um, or even just find a couple that you really love the work that they're already doing and find ways to raise money and raise awareness to help them. I don't think that we always needed to recreate the wheel. So if we can find some organizations that we already love what they're doing and find a way to support and help them. Yes, I agree with that. hundred percent. How can people, and do you want people to follow you on social media? Sure. Um, let's, that's a good question. I forgot how I can be found. Um, I'm definitely on Instagram. I believe it's either under Shar Westfall or Sharissa Westfall. I should know that, but I don't. (laughs) (laughs) I do follow team never quit. So you can, um, find me that way as well. I know that, um, uh, ballast books, um, that's the publishing company that's helping me get my book published they will have ways to get my book out that way. Um, I do believe I'm Sharissa Westfall on Facebook. Um, so I don't use Fontana a lot. I use that. It's like Sharissa oh Fontana. Gosh, um, but when I remarried, you know, honor my husband now, I took his name. So Westfall is the way to find me. Yeah. And I looked, it is Shar Westfall on Instagram. So C-H-A-R Westfall on Instagram. And um, do you think you're going to do any book signings? Well, they told me that I should. (laughs) So it's kind of all up in the air right now because of the virus. I mean, you never know um, what's going to be open. But I know that a family friend here um, wants to host a big book signing and party release here in Jacksonville, Florida. Um, And then I guess just based on whatever else comes about, you know, we'll see from there. So, you know, I don't plan on being any like New York times bestseller. I'm just little old me down here in Florida. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I know so many people would love to meet you and just get to hug you and get a signed book from you. And, um, with the virus, maybe that that means a virtual hug and you can do some, uh, I don't know, zoom, book signings or something. I know Dan Crenshaw did that. He did like a, an online FaceTime type book signing and it worked really well for him. So, Oh, that's cool. um, Maybe we can, with team never quits platform, we can uh, host something like that for you. Okay. That'd be fun. All new, new ways to do things. (laughs) I know we're trying to be, innovative and figure all this stuff out. Oh my gosh, I've never done any kind of Zoom or anything like this before. So it's all new to me too. I wanted to ask just as we close this, because I, I mean, I don't want to 
I didn't ask a ton of stuff about your book because I want people to read the book, (laughs) not get all the information from the podcast, but what would your advice be to the public, to us, to whatever, to um, continue to honor the guys every year during uh, the anniversary? One thing I have challenged some friends with and some people at golf tournaments and different things is if on social media, you see a name of a fallen um, soldier, Marine, SEAL, whatever it is, I challenge you to look them up and read about them, get to know them because then that name means more to you than you just seeing the name. So, you know, on June 28th, when you see all 19 of the names listed, look them up, find out if they were married, learn about their kids, their families, just start to know them more personally, because then I think that helps them never die. They're not just a name then they are actually a person um, to you. And you can share that with your children, your family, you know, and it just keeps getting passed down. It's awesome. Well, we will definitely do that and encourage people to do that. And um, we'll be praying for you uh, during this anniversary that you have continued peace and comfort and feel loved and all the good stuff. Thank you. Same to you all. I know it's hard for Marcus during these times as well. So guys are always in our prayers as well. Thank you. Yeah, Marcus, a lot of people, you know, they're like, oh, meet us at this event or whatever for the anniversary, but it's really a hard, hard time for him. Um, Still, he, I call it the blackout week. He just Mm kind of goes dark. He doesn't get on social media. Sometimes our social media coordinator will post something on his behalf, but he does not get online during uh, that week. He literally has a watch set to kind of every important time of that week, like what was happening at one o'clock and three o'clock. And to me, it's like, gosh, do you have to make yourself relive that? But it's what he does. It's his way of, of never letting them go, you know? Right. So yeah, it's definitely a hard, it's the hardest week during my marriage (laughs) Um, (laughs) because he it's really sad for him and it's it's hard to see him so sad and we usually surround ourselves with his friends out at our ranch and and he might not even talk to anybody but they're just here and especially his brother and a couple of the people that were at his mom's you know during that week and it's, it's very, very hard, uh, on our family as I know it is on you and all the other ladies that were involved and the kids and anyway, many prayers out for, for the 15th anniversary. And I love you. And I hope that this book is successful and that people, um, are really drawn to it and drawn to your message and can find some sort of peace or comfort from reading it. Thank you. I love you too. I miss you. (laughs) I miss you too. One of these days we'll be able to hug each other again. I can't wait. (laughs) Well, have a good one. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Bye. 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 Bye, Andrew. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Wow. So I can't wait for her book to come out. She's such an incredible lady. Yeah, she's she's so spunky and fun and bubbly and always has a smile on her face no matter what the situation is and uh, I, I just love her personality. Yeah, she seemed amazing. And then, you know, just like listening to the way that she was able to transition into her new marriage, like 
I always think about that, like as a guy, like it would be highly intimidating to take the shoes of a Navy SEAL. Like that would be extremely challenging. And so yeah. for for him to be, you know, selfless enough to be able to still honor Jacques, I think that's I think that's amazing. So yeah. Yeah. And her husband really is so great. He's, there's nothing that phases him. He's super supportive. And, um, I've, I've met him at several different functions and, uh, he's just, he's just like her always happy, always smiling, always making people laugh and feeling good and comfortable. And it is very intimidating to take, to fill that role as a husband after you've been with like the most alpha type yes. of man <laughs> exactly. that there is. Yeah. Um, but he, Drew does a really good job. And there's so many other uh, husbands that, that do that well, too. So I'm glad that there's guys out there that don't mind sharing their woman's heart with another man. I yeah. mean, and, and that really is, that's huge. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, I've, we've interviewed other uh, widows in the past that also their husbands don't mind them, you know, continuing to honor. And I just, I think that's awesome. I. I love that. And, um, I hope other widows that have lost their husbands that have not remarried can really find that kind of love. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you guys for jumping in and listening to our episodes every week. It's, uh, it's amazing that you guys support us and we love, we love doing this. If you guys want to be the first ones to know when we drop new episodes, we drop them every single Wednesday. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, anywhere you get your favorite podcast. That's where you can find us. If you didn't know this, we have a speakers bureau, teamneverquit.com slash speakers. We have some amazing people. We got John Teague Teagan, Goggins, Todd DeGhetto, Taya Kyle, Chad Fleming, Justin Legg, Clint Bruce, Johnny Jones, Jason Redman, Brian Offit. The list just goes on and on. If you guys didn't know about that, we do have a speakers bureau. If you want to, you know, if you have an event coming up, whether it's virtual or in person, and you want to have an amazing speaker to share their story, you should check out teamneverquit.com slash speakers and get help hooked up with one of our great, um, our great speakers. They're amazing. So you guys know Sunday, June 28th marks the 15th year anniversary of Operation Red Wing. And we think it's really important to recognize all the guys who made the ultimate sacrifice. Melanie? So I just think it's really important that we say these names. And like Char said, we can look, if you don't recognize a name, you know, not every single person was portrayed in the movie Lone Survivor. I mean, that would be a, a two-day movie to do that. So it is important for people just to stop what they're doing and, and just research the names themselves and get to know these guys and just remember them in your hearts. So I will repeat the names. Michael Murphy from Pachogue, New York. Matthew Axelson from Cupertino, California. Shane Patton from Boulder City, Nevada. Dan Healy from New Hampshire. James Sa from Deerfield Beach, Florida. Danny Dietz of Littleton, Colorado. Jacques Fontaine from New Orleans, Eric Christensen from San Diego, Jeffrey Lucas from Oregon, Michael McGreevy from Portville, New York, Jeffrey Taylor from Midway, West Virginia, 
Seamus Gore from Danville, Ohio. Corey Goodnature from Clarks Grove, Minnesota. Kip Jacoby of Pompano Beach, Florida. Marcus Morales from Shelbyville, Indiana. Stephen Wright from Washington Depot, Connecticut. Michael Russell from Stafford, Virginia. Chris Schirkenbach from Jacksonville, Florida. And James Ponder from Franklin, Tennessee. The reason I wanted to say the towns that they're originally from is a lot of them have memorials in those towns. And if you live near there, go by and take a picture, post it on social media, use your hashtags and get other people to get involved and make it more real to you. A lot of people go by Michael Murphy's memorial and that's so awesome and it, it keeps his memory alive or Danny Dietz in uh, Colorado. And we've gotten to see a lot of different buildings named after these guys and different uh, things. Texas Roadhouse does an awesome uh, memorial in so many of their restaurants to the guys of Operation Red Wing. In Littleton, Colorado, they not only have a statue memorial, but the Mets building was uh, named after Danny Dietz. There's a highway named after Danny Dietz. In Cupertino, there's an amazing memorial of Axe and actually James says in that memorial as well. It's beautiful. It's in the park. It's, it's really well done. There's a ship named after Michael Murky, a destroyer. There's so many really cool memorials of these guys. And I just encourage you to to look those up and and honor their families by by never forgetting. <laughs> <laughs>